What's the crack? My name's Owen, and welcome to the first ever episode of From Glutton to Glory. I decided to start this podcast because, due to the COVID-19 crisis, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. I've kind of gotten a bit more up-to-date with my social medias and posting a lot of food and whatnot on my Instagram. And I decided to start this podcast because... I think I have had quite an interesting um, life so far within the world of gastronomy. I'm a professional chef. I have been for around eight years now. I'm from Cork in Ireland and I'm currently living in the south of Germany on the Swiss border. However, I haven't always lived here. I lived in Berlin for six and a half years and I've met some crazy people and cooked some crazy things and I thought I'd start off this podcast with an episode I'd like to call So You Want to Be a Chef. I hope you enjoy. So, welcome. As I said in the intro, I'm a 27-year-old chef and I'm currently living in Germany and have been for the last few years. I just wanted to start off by introducing myself properly and kind of explain where I want to go with the podcast, if anybody listens at all. I think I can offer a few hints and tips to people that would like to become a chef. I'd like to share some tales and stories from the industry that I've encountered over the past few years. And of course I'd like to help people learn how to cook or better their skills at cooking. Even though I'm learning every day myself and I continue to learn because I don't think you can ever be a perfect chef. Every day you're expected to learn by reading and researching and whatnot. So yeah. As the name of the episode goes, So You Want to Be a Chef, I want to focus a little bit on people who are thinking about getting into this industry or wanting to turn food from a hobby into a profession. So I moved from Ireland to Germany in 2012. I was 19 years old. I'd never lived anywhere outside of my parents' house. I'd never paid a bill in my life. Up until 19, to be quite honest with you, I had a kind of strange teenagehood, I guess you'd call it. Um, I've been brought up extremely well. I've fantastic parents and a fantastic brother. Um, However, I wasn't always focused on school. My secondary school, which I won't name for, you know, obvious reasons, I feel wasn't exactly the place for me to be. I felt they treated me quite badly because I was always this kind of artistic type and never really um, into uh, maths and learning French, for example. So to cut a long story short, I dropped out of school when I was 16. I was about two months into transition year, fourth year, and I dropped out. And um, I was kind of a bit lost, I guess. It was kind of all a bit strange. Looking back on it, I think um, I could put it down to having probably mental health issues such as anxiety and um, not really knowing where I wanted to be and not getting the support from the educational system where I wanted to be um, but I had loads of support from home which was fantastic so I decided to go and study um, graphic design which I just still can't I still don't understand how I managed it because I got into a college in Cork at the age of I think I was just after turning 17 I'd say I was the youngest person, maybe, nah, probably not, but one of the youngest people inside in this college anyway. I'd no leave insert and I was, yeah, studying graphic design. 
So that went on and I finished the first year of graphic design and it was all well and good. And I got into the second year and things went downhill again. I lost interest and I don't know, I was very, very lost in what I was doing. And I took another couple of months off and tried to find myself and I ended up going to another college in Cork and I started studying film and media. Um, and that ended up being an extremely good decision. I met a lot of great friends there. I learned a lot because at the time, and I still kind of am, I was an extremely big movie buff, really big into cinema and entertainment and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I met a lot of great friends there and I learned a lot there. It was a two-year course. And um, the best thing, I guess, that happened to me while I was there is I met my wife. The w- my wife who I'm currently married to. Um, we met there and uh, yeah, it, it's been a fantastic journey together. And we moved to Germany together um, in 2012, as I said. And since then, we have been living together and we got married last year, which is fantastic. So yeah, that's a little bit about where I want to go with this. Just to give you a background that yeah, I was, um, I guess, not the best in school um and i didn't really know what to do so i left college anyway i finished it i passed and i had this um uh, this qualification in filmmaking so my wife my girlfriend at the time said that her family was moving to berlin so i decided that i would go along for the ride and see what happens and um see if i can stick it out there for a bit of time and I told her that I'd probably go for a year and then I'd have to go back and maybe pursue film a bit further in Ireland and do a bigger course and get a better qualification. So we moved to Berlin and it was um, quite scary, I guess, leaving my young brother at the time, who I'm very good friends with and still am to this day, um, and leaving my parents behind. Even though I was 19 and an adult, as I said, I didn't really have much life experience, to be quite honest with you. I'd never played a bill in my life. And times have kind of changed now. I'm not saying that, you know, oh my God, there was a huge difference back in only 2012. But I do think that, I think that kids are a lot brighter these days and they're kind of getting jobs a lot younger. Um, Bear in mind as well, at the time in 2012, there was a bad, you know, the recession was alive and well in Ireland. There wasn't many jobs around. So especially without a leave insert, I, you know, I would have struggled either way to, um, to get a job at the time. Um, I know that, you know, Ireland has always taken having a leave insert quite serious, I guess. So I got to Berlin and I was, you know, started having fun, started drinking beer when I wanted to, started eating what I wanted to, um, going out a lot, partying, as you do in Berlin. Um, we had a great time. Uh, first first year in Berlin flew by. Still... Um, during the first year I, I dabbled around in a few media jobs um, I worked for a newspaper there um, called Extravaganza at the time there's lots of hipster weird st- startups over there so I worked for one of these startup newspapers that was quite fun and I decided that I wanted to kind of pursue a different direction with my life and go, go down a different road because I always had a passion for cooking and m- my wife was the actual person who got me into cooking because at the time I you know I was always eating simply we you know my parents were great cooks but we never they never really made and they they worked hard and they still do but you know there was never extravagant meals made because there wasn't time for it but I always had interest in food and my wife ended up teaching me you know about new ingredients I remember when when like I, I was being introduced to things like feta and 
olive tapenade and i thought oh my god this stuff is like this is incredible this is a different side to cooking um and a different side to food that i had never seen before which is kind of strange because nowadays it's just the norm but back then i felt i feel like it wasn't um i feel like um uh, since 2012 food has definitely taken um a step in a, a massive step in the right direction but anyway this was probably just for me at the time i'm sure pl- plenty of people knew about feta in 2012 anyway i didn't so my wife got me into using different ingredients and showing me oh you can do this with this and this cheese and this and whatnot so i decided that i want to kind of maybe pursue the route of cooking now at the time i was loving things like master chef and I was really enjoying a documentary series which I'd recommend to all of you called Boiling Point and it's a one about Gordon Ramsay's earlier um, side of his career which is fantastic. It shows a different side to Ramsay and a real professional side to Ramsay away from the entertainment aspect of everything. But um, I was watching a lot of these shows at the time like, and I just thought it was it was almost like rock star like to work in a kitchen you know i i was like i'd love to do that i would love to cook i'd love to have this kind of macho man attitude where i could go into work and be tattooed and you know i guess yeah i i you get what i mean it, it i really thought it was a rock star life so i applied for a job in um a london inspired restaurant in a really hipster cool area of berlin um and i started working there i got the job i went for the interview and it was owned by a nice woman and i she she was a german and she i introduced myself and i didn't have any german at the time i just you know i went in and i spoke in english and she said that wasn't a problem because the head chef was also from ireland and i couldn't believe that i thought that was um fantastic and as i said the funny thing about this was i actually went for an interview that was described as a cook's job i had never been a cook before bear in mind i had never i had never uh, besides a few jobs in my first couple of months in berlin i'd never really worked before so i didn't know what work mentality was i didn't know any of this kind of stuff so i i I met the head chef there anyway and his name i won't say his name now just in case but look he was a very nice fella and um, he was from dublin and I introduced myself and in Germany there's a thing called a trial shift now I haven't lived in Ireland in years so I don't know if they still if they do this in Ireland but there's a thing in Germany where you go for an interview and you talk and talk and talk and whatnot but the the um the boss or whoever's interviewing you will always give you a trial shift to prove your worth and this trial shift is usually only one day if anyone offers you any more than one day then uh, I wouldn't do it because it's one one day of free work you know free work is enough but i was delighted to get this uh, trial shift anyway so i took it and i met the head chef and we had a good chat and we drank a coffee together and he asked me you know where i had cooked before and whatnot and i i said i'd never cooked before and uh, he called me straight up and he said you're a chancer so i and i said look i am a bit of a chancer but i need the money and i need to pay my rent and i need to um yeah I need to buy a few beers and whatnot. So he started laughing and he said, come on, so come into the kitchen and we see what you can do. So I went into the kitchen and I I think I was the first job I was given. They, they were famous for their home cut fries, like their home cut chips. And I think I had to peel potatoes and wash the starch off the potatoes. And that was no problem for me whatsoever. And I, for whatever reason, anyway, like 
I could cut, I could, I could peel the potatoes very, very fast. And I mean, we had to do buckets of potatoes. I'm talking probably up to nearly, yeah, 50, between 50 and 100 kilos a day of, of peeling potatoes because these chips were just, I mean, at the time, you know, the, the, it still is like, but the English culture, the fish and chip culture, the, the chipper culture, um, uh, which is also in Ireland, obviously. I didn't mean to say English culture, but it is a big thing in England. This was huge, so, um, and there were so many people from the UK living in Berlin as well, obviously, and there still is, um, that this was a very popular place to work. So anyway, the head chef noticed that I was good and that I was a- well able to, to peel and work fast because this is what I slowly began to learn is that, and this was only after a few hours, that, oh my God, like working in a kitchen isn't about, it's about, it's about, like, 20% plating and do being fancy and all that kind of stuff and 80% being fast, being efficient and being a hard worker. So I started to, I started to, you know, do more things. I was asked to do more things. I remember having to, I remember learning about why I had to wash rice, for example. He gave me a couple of kilos of rice and I had to wash it and I was asking him why and, you know, he was telling me that I had to wash out the starch so that it didn't stick together and whatnot. And I was learning all these things. And I'm only four hours into a shift and I'm getting so much information in my head. Bear in mind, I had just walked in here four hours before thinking that I was Gordon Ramsay. Um, or that I could be Gordon Ramsay because, you know, I, I had learned how to cook a few things at home. And I was learning all these basics that I should have known going in there because a lot of people who go into a kitchen have already studied gastronomy and what are or sorry culinary arts or whatever and i hadn't so i was learning all these things and i guess the next big step then was he gave me one of his knives and i had to he, he turned around and he said can you brunoise some carrots for me so i took the carrots and i peeled them and i just started chopping them up and he freaked and he goes what are you doing man Bru- you have to brunoise them like and i'm going I don't know what a brunoise is, I'm sorry. And then he started bursting out laughing again. He was really tough on me, but I could tell he liked me. And that was something I had to my advantage straight away, is that I knew for a fact that this fella had something, you know, he he could see there was a spark in me, even though I hadn't an absolute clue what I was doing. So he teaches me how to brunoise here, you have to make sure they're all this size, and then he teaches me how to julienne, and he teaches me how to do all the different French cuts, and we're practicing on carrots. And bear in mind now, the restaurant is open at this time, so he's trying to do his cooking at the same time. And it was a fairly small kitchen. He was there. There was another, um, in German, it's called a Beikoch. Um, I'm not sure what it is in English. Oh, I guess he was um, um, uh, like an assistant cook. Um, because in these small kitchens, you don't have sauciers and chef de parties and chef de rang and all this stuff. You don't have them. You've got your head chef. You've got your main cook. You've got your... You've got your... Um, assistant cook and you had me then who was a kitchen helper a spooler uh, a kp a kitchen porter whatever you want to call it so he taught me all the french cuts and he said look i'm sorry and the day went on and he said look do you want a beer it was the end of the shift and i said yeah i'd love one i'd love a beer and he said see he brought me out the out into the restaurant into a corner and we sat down and he said look he said you're not a cook and it's going to take you a long time to be a cook but he said i'll take you on as my right hand man he said, we're both Irish, and I'll take you on as my right-hand man, and we can, um, you can sort out all your money issues and stuff with the boss. But I said, I'm ha-, he said, I'm happy to have you in the kitchen. He said, you're a young fella who I see a lot of potential in, and um, and you can fe- peel potatoes fast. like So he was delighted. He had a fella that he could have a chat with, and 
I could peel potatoes fast so he didn't have to worry about that because now all these years later as someone who's really developed in the, the gastronomy the world of gastronomy peeling potatoes is an absolute nightmare no one wants to do it in the kitchen so um the next day I came anyway and I went in and I was greeted at the door by this big massive heavy overweight eastern european fella called i forget what his name was matchik or something like this my head chef wasn't there so matchik explained to me that i'd be working with him for the day and that the head chef was off on tuesdays i think it was a tuesday so my nerves kind of kicked in because there was something there was something like rock star about this fella like i already mentioned you know he was like one of the lads from the tv he had a distinctive knife tattoo on his foot right forearm and he had a lot of cherry tomatoes wrapped around it still don't get what that meant to this day because i don't but anyway and i was like oh my god this is it now like you know this is it i'm not with my i'm it was only my second day and i'm not under the protection of my irish comrade I'm with an Eastern European fellow who can barely speak English. He's speaking pretty bad German to me. And he's just shouting curse words in his language. I actually forget where he's from, he was from. but um, So I'm in there and he asks me again to peel potatoes. He asked me to chop up the mise en place, you know, get all the... You know, we did eggs in the morning there. So I had to cut up like um, chives and spring onions and all that kind of jazz so i was doing that grand like and my my knife skills were were never bad because i i had used um a knife at home like i had caught i had been you know i wasn't new to cutting vegetables and stuff like that so he was pretty happy that i was able to bang out a mise en place like but at the same time he just wasn't happy with me uh, not as happy as uh, my head chef was with me you know and i i I i found that very difficult you know i was like oh god this isn't as easy as i think it's going to be you know so the day went on anyway and it was hell i swear to god i'll never forget that second day my second ever day working in the kitchen it was absolute hell and i left that night or that evening and i went home i went home to my girlfriend at the time my current wife and i um my current wife i don't know i'm the most inarticulate person in the world sorry about that but anyway went home i'll just say i went home to my wife at the time um and uh, I told her how hard it was and how difficult it was. Um, and she was going, you know, just stick at it like you need the money and, you know, just keep on going. And I went back in anyway and the head chef was there the next day and time went on and I was kind of getting through the ropes of all the basics of a kitchen, you know, learning about the temperatures of different fridges and making sure that I didn't put sauces that were heated up, didn't put them into the freezer, didn't put them into the fridge until they were cooled down, all the basics. And I think one of the the biggest shocks you get when you work in a professional kitchen for the first ever time is one of the most obvious things that you should already know about, but it's until you are, uh, you know, you're uh, become a witness to it is the first time you really realise how much effort and work goes into and that's the hygiene of a kitchen of course so the amount of cleaning that had to be done every day and every night was like you genuinely feel like your job is being a cleaner more than it is being a cook or being from my you know in my um situation a kp um so the weeks went on and the months went on i was having problems with the boss there at the time because i wasn't being paid the hours i was doing in Germany, there's a thing called a mini job, and that's a set rate of 450 euro a month, and it's basically for students, people who are um, uh, 
who are doing a couple of hours in the week um, and studying during the day. So you know that you're definitely getting 450 quid into your bank account at the end of the month after doing a couple of hours. I was working 40 hours a week getting paid 450 euro. And I'm not tell I'm not saying that I'm a genius or that I'm I'm uh, I'm not saying that I'm also stupid for doing that, but of course it was idiotic. I was working the same hours that I am now, and I was making four hundred and fifty euro uh, a month. A month, I don't know that I say a week, but it was a month, which is pennies and uh, not even pennies. It's uh, slave labor. So this woman had me, uh, who was in charge, became not so nice, I guess, because I had realized, you know, new in a country, pretty new there new to the industry that I was being screwed over big time you know so about two or three months went on and I was the the main man there like and, and, and I'm not saying that I was the big cook there but I was doing everything for everyone there was a few cooks working there and they all wanted to work with me and again not being big-headed I was just motivated the boss knew that I was working for nothing pretty much and the head chef and all the other cooks knew that I worked so I went in there with this mentality of I want to be a cook and I want to be able to do what they do. So I'm going to just give it my all and I come out with a bit of bob at the end of it that I can pay rent and I can pay for food. And that's all I really needed at the time, you know. Um, 19 years old, didn't really need anything. So I was the main man inside there and I eventually got in talks with... I, I, I eventually started talking to the head chef and I said, look, I'm kind of fed up. I'm fed up of being, um, working these hours and being paid for not, you know, nothing. So I approached the boss and I, the, the, the main boss and I said to her, look, I can't do this anymore. It's too much hours and I need to be paid properly. And because I was the main man at the time, I thought that like there was going to be no problem. She was just going to say, yeah, no problem. You you helped us enough. We'll give you a raise. You know, we'll put you on a min distance loan, which is the minimum full, full-time wage. And I'd be coming out, you know, a net wage of something like 1,200, 1,300 or something like that. And I would have been delighted. She laughed at me. So that's all she did. I'll never forget it. She was having a cigarette out the back and I went out to her and she laughed at me. So I went in. And I was pissed off and I said to my head chef, I said, she won't give me a raise. My head chef at the time then was panicking because he loved working with me. He didn't want me to leave. I, as I said already, he had his right-hand man. Uh, we got on and we had a good relationship, you know. And um, even outside of work, we had a good relationship. We used to talk a lot of about football and whatnot. And my wife came out with me um, to, with him a few times for drinks. With, and his, his girlfriend came out with him. And we had a good relationship. So he was raging. So he said he'll talk to her. She laughed at him too, so... To cut a long story short, I was in talks with another restaurant at the time. It was um kind of, it was a, an expensive American style restaurant. So think of something in the lines of Captain America's, but a bit more fancy, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess around yeah yeah. It was it was Captain America's, but a bit more fancy. A lot more fresh produce. A lot of fresh cooking a lot of seasonal cooking and i got in talks with the boss of this place and it actually just closed down there about a month ago um funnily enough i saw it but i got talking with the boss of this place and i said like yeah i am who i am and i work here and he said oh, i heard about you and i couldn't grasp this like it's a city of i don't know five six million people and he had heard about me I'm very new with still, and he said, yeah, 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 I know, I know the head chef there, he was saying, you're phenomenal, like, and 
I said, well, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't mind a job, you know. I wouldn't mind a job as a cook or an assistant cook because I feel like I have what it takes now to, to lash out some dinners, you know what I mean? So this particular boss, anyway, said, yeah, come along. So I came along on a Friday night and they needed help. We were cooking, They were cooking for the Jamaican embassy in Germany. There was this massive party on, I'll never forget it. One of the other cooks at the time was a DJ and he ended up... Um, having to leave the kitchen to start his set it was at like 10 or 11 o'clock and we were banging out food and I remember like being way over my head still not being a fully you know developed cook and this is a few months later now obviously like I don't want to go too into depth of it and bore the hell out of you but this was a few um a few months later and I I like I I was really in over my head in that kitchen and we were we were cooking and it was all good and I, it was this real mentality of like this is hardcore like this is rock star the heavy metal was playing in the background we were just banging out you know twenty dishes every five minutes like just banging them out because it was a party this head chef goes out to do a, uh, a set or one of the chefs and in comes at ten o'clock at night starting his shift this absolute nut job. I'm not going to say his name now, but this guy put me through absolute hell for the four or five months I worked there because I didn't I didn't stay very long working in this kitchen because this fellow who I would only consider uh, he honestly was an absolute psychopath. Um, he put me through a lot of uh, a lot of bad times. He bullied me like you know he knew I was the new fresh off the boat kind of character he just bullied me and broke me down and looking back on it now to be quite honest with you I'm very thankful for him for doing it to me as much as an asshole he is and I'm sure he still is an asshole and a horrible person if he had never had bullied me and put me through the hell that he did in the kitchen I never would have been tough enough to be the cook that I am today because he taught me a lot about cooking and at the same time put me through absolute hell he hit me with frying pans he threatened one night i wouldn't i would i didn't wash salad properly and he told me if i didn't wash the salad properly again he was going to take me out the back and kick the shit out of me another night he said he was going to organize a crowd to watch us fight out the front because he hated me so much he wanted to have a proper fight with me i'm talking like this was prop mental torture he was putting me through he wasn't just calling me names he was I, I, my wife could sit down and tell you I used to go into work empty reaching and I'm a tough enough guy I'd like to consider myself to be tough enough you know but this this was too much for me way too much so I eventually approached the, the boss and said look I can't work with him anymore and he fired your man straight away he fired him straight away he didn't even think twice and I couldn't believe that like your man was taking my word and he, this fellow was the head chef uh, who was who was bullying me like and he just fired him now I left shortly afterwards anyway because I wasn't too happy with the working hours there I think I was starting work every day at one o'clock in the day and I was leaving at about one o'clock at night so it was a good 12 hours so obviously for my relationship and my well-being at the time that wasn't exactly ideal um and yeah, on top of that, empty reaching and feeling sick going into the kitchen just wasn't, yeah. So I had to take kind of a step in the back, a step in, um, a ba- step back, sorry, stuttering. And I started working in an Irish pub. And the Irish pub actually had great food. It was good, 
good Irish food. They were trying to do things as best as they could and as best as it was and as close as it was to home. And I walked in, the only Irish fella working inside there. The rest were German, so they but they took me on straight away. And I, I this is where I started to really develop my my skills as a chef. I was able to show them things in Ireland that that came from Ireland and things that they were doing wrong. You know, they were making the beer batter for the fish incorrectly. I remember, and I helped them out with that. And they were doing a club sandwich wrong. And you know, I was telling them, you know, you need to get malt vinegar in here. People love vinegar on their chips, and they couldn't understand that. And then they got Sam Samson's, isn't it? Samson's vinegar in, and um people were going mad for it because this place was absolutely packed seven days a week be it from sport champions league premier league all that stuff people were coming in to watch golf everything it was constantly black and when you came in there they ate because they knew the food was good the burgers were homemade we used to have to grind our meat every day and i used to work there at nights at the start and i developed yeah a lot of skills there a lot of being able to handle my own and working under the head chef i had a really good um um relationship with the head chef there he was German and what was most important about this job is that it was the first job that I started to begin to learn how to speak German which was very important because I didn't know how to speak the language that I worked in the con- like in the country that I worked in so I started to learn how to speak German in this job I worked with a an old um an older cook from East Berlin he was from East Germany and um he taught me a bit of how to speak German and we got on very well and I start then I got I think the biggest then big position that I got at the time then was I was made prep cook which is probably in my opinion still to this day one of the most important positions in a kitchen because you're coming in in the morning you have to make the breakfast we did an Irish breakfast and stuff and it wasn't busy it was a pub pubs are quite quiet in the mornings um weekends was different but weekdays was grand you know it was quite quiet until lunchtime so that was the time where you had to bang out irish stews you had to make batters you had to make the fresh burgers you had to go downstairs you had to deal with all the deliveries i was there one day when the health inspectors came in didn't have an absolute word of german and there's a woman shouting at me because the walls are brown all of this stuff and that was my big step and that's that's really where i learned and i honed my knife skills and i started to really um learn about developing recipes and i was given a the big task i was given of was making a daily a daily um dish for all the employees there so i could come up with whatever i wanted with any of the ingredients there and i started getting a lot of compliments you know i remember messing around doing things like candied bacon you know frying off bacon and then putting it under a grill with brown sugar on top and people were going mad for all that stuff i was doing tapas plates spanish tortillas stuff that people you know weren't expecting to come out of the young irish cook who you know didn't have a lot of experience so you know i i guess and I probably the reason I'm making this podcast is because I haven't been very talented in anything in my life, to be quite honest, outside of cooking. And cooking is something I just, I guess I, I was always talented, um, even though I just didn't have the skills. I just needed to learn the skills to bring out my talent. And I did that there. And working as a, a prep cook really, really helped um, with that. And I worked there for about two years, I think, and it was great crack. We had a great buzz there. We had a brilliant set of friends. Um, my wife ended up working there too, so she was friends with all of the um, staff out front, and I was friends with all the staff in the kitchen, and we'd all go. It was, honestly, in my time in Berlin, the best times of my life. I mean, we would work five, six days a week. We'd work until 12 o'clock at night. Me and my kitchen helpers would then leave the, the restaurant at 12 o'clock at night, we go straight over to a place called, I won't name the pub, but we went to a pub around the corner, which was 
sat down at 12 o'clock, waited for my wife and all them to finish up. They'd finish at about 1 or 2 on most nights. They'd arrive 2 o'clock and the beers and the shots would start flowing. And we'd sit there until 6, 7 o'clock in the morning in the summers, really hot outside. And then 7 o'clock in the morning, the sun would start coming up. And yeah, we'd go home. 8 o'clock in the morning, go home, go into bed, get up, shower at 3 o'clock and go back into work and do it all again the next night. And it was like that for a good year. And I mean it, like very little sleep, very little, I guess, health in our lives. But it was, I wouldn't take it back for any, like I wouldn't take it away from, from any, it, it was just such a great learning development, learning development in my life. I, I really, um, I really enjoyed making friends and I really kind of enjoyed the lifestyle of being this badass cook. It was like, oh my God, I'm doing things like that they were on the TV. I am the chef inside there. I'm making the food for people. People are happy with my food. Um, People are thanking me when I go out to the bar and they're seeing me and they're saying, oh, you're the new cook here. Your food's delicious. And I'm there and I'm going, thank you, this unreal. And then we'd leave and we'd have this on a real social side to it too where we drink all night long and I'm talking and I'm not exaggerating with you like you you've never been on a night out until you've been like on a night out with people from gastronomy especially in a city like Berlin like because it's just it's all night constant partying and getting very little sleep and I'm talking and I'm not talking about once a week I'm talking five nights a week and it went on like that for a year you know I, I eventually I eventually had to move away from all that so I got my next job um opportunity in a higher uh, class of restaurant and this was a restaurant based s- solely on um seasonal food um and i ended up working there and there was another irish cook there too and he was absolutely fantastic to me we've lost contacts now um which is a bit sad it was partly my fault but um I can only, I'm not going to mention his name, but I can only thank this particular chef for pretty much everything that I could be to this day um, and, and every cooking. There was two of them. There was this particular Irish chef and there was the head chef who was Turkish. Um, and the two of them literally brought me from being a cook to being a chef, you know, to being, um, they taught me every single thing. They taught me, because it was a seasonal restaurant, we worked with every single vegetable you can imagine, every single cut of meat, every single fish. And because of those two people, you could probably put 99.9% of the fish in the world in front of me and I'd know how to fill it. I'd know how to cook it properly. I'd know how to cook. I, I, I'd know how to cut any type of meat, how to, how to cook any type of meat. I, I, I don't think there's a lot, like there's not a lot of people can sit down and say, you can do that. And, and I can't, I'm not doing it because I'm special or whatever. I'm just doing it because I got very, very lucky to meet two chefs that had that knowledge in their minds and they were willing to share it and they shared it with me and I'm very very lucky you know and in that restaurant I ended up cooking things as I mentioned at the start you know some crazy things and we was cooking pigeon and and um uh suckling pig we were cooking and things that I had never cooked sweetbreads and um I'm trying to think back was there anything meant like a pheasant was another one that I I found very interesting and eel flatfish um scallops mussels all of these things that i was learning crabs king crabs all of this stuff was coming in and i was just fascinated and i ended up being a very very um sought after chef there i was running the kitchen on my own when the, the head chef would work during the day sometimes i would prep with him because my prep skills were still very good from the previous job and i ended up working um 
nights there and running Fridays and Saturday nights I'd be put on Fridays and Saturday nights on my own with two kitchen helpers and I'd be running the show there and it was it was really a rock star mentality I was cooking some of the best food you can get in Berlin and I genuinely mean that it was just apps it wasn't fine dining like this place didn't have a Michelin star by no means or nothing but it was just it was affordable simple food I think that's what people miss and I don't take don't I'm not taking anything away from Michelin star uh, chefs. You've got people like Annie Air, uh, like JP McMahon and Annie Air and Galway and you've got um Derry O'Callaghan and you've got people, you know, even more famous people, Heston Blumenthal and all these fellas with all these Michelin stars. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I love that side of cooking, I love fine dining, but I think people tend to realise you don't need to have a Michelin star to have absolutely exquisite food and this is what we had, you know, we had fresh cooking with fresh ingredients and you would never ever I, I i think you'd struggle in berlin to find anything fresher probably only in like someone like tim rowe's restaurant would you find anything fresher than what we were doing at the time and i was absolutely privileged to get the job i must also bear i must also share is that the reason i did get this job and why i put, brushed up the ladder quite a bit was nothing to do with the fact that the other chef was irish there but actually the owner it was owned by an irish man as well so I had an absolutely fantastic time there um, and I really wish I could have stayed longer working there because I learned so much and to the day I left working there I worked there for nearly two and a half three years and for the day like every day I worked there, I just learned so much I learned about baking bread I learned about ah, I've gone through it all already I still get kind of goosebumps thinking about how much fun it was and again it wasn't as crazy as the job before there wasn't the all-night drinking and stuff like that but it was a more civilized job I got home at a better time I could come home and you know sit down and put my feet up and go back into work at four o'clock the next day and not be totally stressed but again it was just a great place and it really turned me into the cook that I am and the only reason I left there is because I left Berlin Berlin was becoming um, more of a chore to live there um we had experienced um something quite scary in in um December 2000 and uh I think it was 16 I, I may be wrong um i'm actually just going to quickly look at what it is uh it was 2000 yeah it was 2016 it was on december uh, december 19th um where i worked was very very close to a christmas market that unfortunately was involved in um a terror attack um and i was at work that night um and we were listening i was working with another cook and another kitchen helper and it was quite quiet actually and we were wondering why it was so quiet and we didn't have the radio on and it was unusually uh, quiet so we turned on the radio and um we had found out that there was a truck that had deliberately driven into the christmas market um very near the kaiser wilhelm memorial church which was very close to where we were working and um, 12 people died and like 60 people got injured um, and it was very very scary it was very scary to be near something that you usually only read on the news and i think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin so to speak um to to kind of do something else because berlin was also becoming an extremely dangerous place to live um you only hear about the cool drinking and parties and burgoyne and trezor and all these clubs um, but living there and trying to make a living there, especially, <coughs> excuse me, in gastronomy where you're, you know, out late at night and, um, you know, you have to walk home and you have to cycle home and whatnot. It started to get very dangerous there. I don't know why. And um, it's it's a big city. There's lots of different types of people living there and it just got dangerous. And I, that was the nail in the coffin. But 
to seal the, co- the coffin shut with super glue, I was walking home one night from my job and I had to stay late. So it was about one o'clock in the morning and I was walking home and there was a fella tried to mug me and uh, I was just very lucky that there was someone else in the area that I could um, speak to and the part the fellow who was going to mug me um, kind of got scared off and didn't want anybody to witness there so I got away from that situation but I was just sick of it so uh, that's why I left that job and luckily um, we moved to this absolutely amazing city on the Swiss border um, a very quiet city there's only 80,000 people living here and that's when the kind of next chapter of my um, life started my cooking life and my personal life I got married here um, but which is unbelievable I, I'm so so happy to be able to to say that I'm married and, and to be married to somebody that I love very dearly and my you know and, and I love that side of my life and I also I also improved massively in my cooking side so it was a next big step is that I was working as a cook and you I was on that kind of you know equal level I was learning and gaining so much knowledge and I came here and I ended up working in a private boat club um, I didn't last there very long for personal reasons, not nothing to do with me, but yeah, with other people working there, um, and um, that was also a very very good gig to have. I learned a bit there, and then I guess a lot of people could say it was a step in the backwards again. But I started working in a pub, um, and it was a family. It was a, a family member of my wife's um, pub, um, because the head chef there got sick and they needed someone to take over the kitchen so i took over the kitchen and this was a you it was a step backward in terms of um what was being cooked there but it was a massive step forward in my life because i was finally after reaching that goal i was no gordon ramsay <laughs> i was a head chef you know and obviously not i'm only messing but like i was a head chef and um and i was looking after a kitchen and i i it's one of the hardest things that I could ever look back on like and it, I'm only looking back on a couple of weeks ago because I worked there for two years and I've I um sadly the pub has closed down because the people that were looking after it um have gotten a bit old and they needed to move on so I looked after the kitchen there for two years I started working there and wasn't accepted by anybody because the and that was very difficult because the head chef previous to me had been working there for 30 years and this young 27 year old from Ireland or well I was 25 at the time 25 year old from Ireland young obviously at this stage now I'm speaking German I I can I I can interact with people and stuff and I have to come in and I have to I have to look after first of all a team which I never had to do before so I'm the boss of people which you know was very very new to me and I had to make a plan I had to make a weekly plan I had to make a cleaning plan I had to deal with people I had to deal with people's problems why do I have to work then why do I have to work there always being on call um constantly being text and wrong and why is this not there what you know what do I do with this and whatnot because I didn't always work obviously so when I wasn't working I had other people who were asking me questions so that was very difficult on top of all of that the guests were not happy with my new type of cooking because I brought a lot more fresh ingredients into this kitchen they weren't working with a lot of fresh stuff they were kind of working with very simple um cost productive ingredients whereas I kind of wanted to possibly bring more um healthy options in and more uh, fresh options in um, which obviously isn't very cost effective so the margins would be a bit more tight and I'd have to deal with 
you know the stress from the bosses of you know they're not making as much money but it really worked after time it worked and it took a long long time i've been i was two i was only two years there but i think i brought it from a very very mediocre kitchen to a very respectable kitchen i was not respected like guests were almost hissing at me when they saw me you know you are not the ex-chef here where is he and i was like he, he got very sick uh, you know you can either have what i'm serving or you, the pub would have probably closed down because they weren't finding anybody at the time hence why i took the job um it took a massive toll on me mentally and physically however um and i think that's something that i would like to talk about in further podcasts this is basically just kind of an idea of where i'm coming from so that you know um, people get an idea about what it's like to be a cook but I would like to talk about the mental health and the strains and it has being a cook on your life um, in a future episode but this um, job in particular took a massive toll on my mental health um, having to deal with other people and having to be a boss and um, in a kitchen was uh, is a very very difficult thing to do um, but I'm very very happy where, where I brought the kitchen and as I said it was all of my doing we brought a lot more fresh ingredients in we brought a lot more um, local ingredients in we changed a few things we changed pasta recipes we changed pizza recipes we made um I guess what we were most famous for is our steaks. I would consider myself to be quite a good cook when it comes to cooking with meat, as I mentioned. Um, and our steaks really went through the roof. I have a picture up my Instagram of one of the particular nights. This wasn't a very, very busy restaurant either. And one night this guy came in and said, like, I heard about your steaks. Um, me and the boys are here and we, we want to have a few pints and we want to order 24 steaks. And they just ordered straight up 24 steaks just because they had heard about it on social media or whatever that I was... I was the man, so to speak, about cooking steaks because it's a small city, you know. There's not a lot of people doing fantastic food here. So the fact that I was able to bring a little bit of my Irish charm, a little bit of my um, skills that I've learned in a bigger city and bring it to the fantastic local produce here um, and take it to another level is just, yeah, it was just a really, really cool thing. And as of um, yeah, the end of March, I'm unemployed, unfortunately. Um, I'm currently uh, searching for work, but it's quite impossible at the moment because of the COVID-19 crisis. The thing was, I was already going to be um, um, a new head chef of a new restaurant. I had the contract signed and everything, but unfortunately, due to the crisis, these people pulled out of taking over the restaurant. So I am officially unemployed. So I am posting a lot on Instagram, sharing my recipes, and I just want to share my story with people. Um, I hope the first episode of this podcast didn't in, um, bore you too much but it's just a little outline of my life um, where I've come from and where I've come to and I've lots of stories in between and lots of funny th tales about celebrities that I've cooked for celebrities that I've met people ma mad crazy incidents that I've been and um, I want to I've been true and I want to um, share that with you guys so please follow me on Instagram at Chef Owen and uh, yeah, I'll um, see you on the next episode. Keep a country. And if you're thinking about becoming a chef, listen to this first. Good night, God bless. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning.